Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 39, When Kids Lie. And ooh, doggy, do I get a lot of emails about this. Kelly, what do you do when your kids lie? What do you do? What should I do? How do I make it stop? Just know that lying usually happens for most kids. They are going to lie. My kids lie. Your kids lie. Your neighbor's kids lie. And that's okay. And I, when I say that's okay, I don't mean it's okay and let them get away with it. But you have to remember that their brains are still trying to figure out their boundaries. Their brains are still very young, undeveloped, immature. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. It's the most beautiful part of watching a child grow is that they don't know a lot of times the difference between right and wrong. Their brain, they feel very invincible. They feel very indestructible. They're trying to absorb all that's going on in the world. And it's a lot for them to take in. So they're trying to figure out where their boundaries are. It's kind of like when I take Maggie to the dog park, and if I bring her to one part of the dog park, she knows where the boundaries are based on the fence. And then there's this other side of the dog park where she can go in. If I bring her in there, and it's fenced off most of the way, but then there's this long fence with a break in between the fence, and she never knows if she should cross in this little door to go on the other side. So kids are always wondering where that little door is. And so the most you can do is you don't want to guilt and shame and flip out when they do lie. Because if you're yelling and screaming and guilting and shaming, it's going to make them lie more because most kids lie because they want to stay out of trouble. It's a very normal thing to want to do. Sometimes they lie because they want to get your attention or they want to get attention of their peers. I had one client and her daughter was friends with someone who had the parents' names were, let's say, Johnny and Sally. And then she said, oh, my parents' names are Johnny and Sally. And it was a way for her to gain connection. And of course she was lying, but you have to look at the motive behind it. Because sometimes we want to guilt and shame and think they're going to be Winona Ryder and be stealing because they lied. We want to make sure we're dealing with what we're dealing with and not broadcasting that they're going to be in jail because of the lie that told when they were three about their parents' names. So sometimes we can freak out not because of what they did, but because of what we worry it's going to turn out to be. I was working with a client and she was very triggered by lying and she would flip out and yell and scream and have her own temper tantrum. And I said, let's get underneath that fear. Let's get underneath that reaction. And she was a police officer and she said, all I deal with is liars all day, every day. And I, by golly, will not raise a liar. I will not raise a criminal. And do you see how sometimes we can get so caught up in our baggage, in our Samsonite luggage that we're bringing to the relationship that we can freak out and then they're freaking out because we're freaking out? So I like to kind of normalize lying, not that it's okay, but normalize the desire to lie. One day Lily was 
she went to school and I had to finish my run by 10 a.m. She was helping me stay accountable. And if I ran by 10 a.m., then she would give me like extra dessert. She has to ration out my dessert because I love sugar. And if I didn't run by 10 a.m., then I had to do her laundry for a week. And I made these rules up. So when she texted me at 10, 10 10.05, did you finish your run yet? Have you started? I was like, ooh, I want to lie so bad. So I said, no, I haven't. And she's like, yes, you can do my laundry for the week. And so when she got home, I normalized the desire. So when she said, I can't believe you didn't run by 10, I thought for sure doing my laundry for a week would be an awesome consequence that you'd never want to do or a terrible consequence that you would never want to do. I said, I know when you texted me at 10.05, I wanted to lie so badly because there's no way you would have ever known. I could have just taken a picture of a sidewalk and said, yep, I'm doing it. I said, but I couldn't deal with the guilt and I couldn't deal with the karma. And I've lied before and the feeling afterwards is so not worth it. And then I tell stories about when I have lied in my past and they love those stories. Like when my mom, she said I could have three cookies and I took four And I felt so guilty afterwards and my mom never knew or how guilty I felt after I wrecked my sister's car and damaged the spoiler, but I never told anybody. And the guilt was just too much that I finally fessed up and I didn't even enjoy that fourth cookie. Or one time my mom told me to brush my teeth and I said I did. And then she was cutting my bangs. I'll never forget it. And she said, Kelly, did you brush your teeth? I said, yeah. And she said, because your breath still smells. I don't think you did. And I'm very disappointed that you didn't. And I was like, oh, and literally my kids' eyes are falling out of their heads. They're so in shock because you want them to see you as a normal human being and that the desire to lie is going to be there sometimes, but you don't give into that desire because of the guilt that you might have afterwards or the shame or the feeling of karma, because if you're lying a lot, then you're going to attract liars into your life. So we talk about the way you treat others is the way you should expect others to treat you. So if they're out lying to their friends and to us, then they're probably going to attract liars into their life. So it's not too young to talk about karma. And so I practice this a lot with my kids, and I always am telling them how much I trust them because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I remember when I was a kid, I laid out my diary and I laid baby powder on top of the diary. And I did a couple hair strands on top of the diary because I wanted to see if my mom and dad would read my diary. So I left it on the coffee table and it said, my diary, do not read. If you read this, I will be so angry. And there was baby powder. It was like a trap. It went there a day, two days, and they never read it. And I thought, wow, they really trust me and I can really trust them. So they were telling me indirectly how much they trusted me. And they would tell us, Kelly, we trust you to make good decisions when you're outside of this house. And I was like, you do? Okay. So it made me act more trustworthy. They weren't checking on me, checking all my things. And they would give me that same energy of we trust you. And so it made me become more trustworthy. When I'm talking with my kids, I'm always sending that message of I trust you. And I know they're going to lie to me and that's okay, but it's on them. It's not a reflection of me. Not okay in the sense of then I become a doormat, but okay that they have to live with the guilt, that they have to live with the karma. And so they'll ask me. Grady will take a quick shower and I'll say, buddy, did you wash your hair? That was super quick. He'll, big eyes, look at me. He'll say, yeah, I did. Come smell my hair. And I always say, oh, I don't need to check on you, buddy. I trust you because if you're lying, that's on you, boo. I'm not going to be checking on your hair. I trust you. If you said you did, then I, I think you did. So you can start it very young. 
Because if you're always checking and double checking and looking for the lies, then they're just going to become more sneaky as they get older. They're just going to become sneakier as they grow older because I want them to make the right choice and tell the truth, whether it's to the friends or to me or their teachers, whoever it is, not because mom and dad might find out or not find out. I want them to do it because of the way it makes them feel. So you can get that inner compass going very, very early on. So Lily, she's allowed to keep candy in her room, whether it's Halloween or Valentine's candy, and she'll have a piece or two for dessert. And I always say, I just trust you so much with this candy. And I know that if you take extra candy, it's going to be like that fifth cookie or that fourth cookie that I took from my mom. Like you have to deal with the guilt and you have to deal with the karma. And that totally stinks. I know that feeling. So it's a way to kind of take the pressure off us as parents and put so much trust in them. And then they rise to the occasion. And so I was working with a client and she said, my son, he's only allowed an hour of the electronics on the weekends. And he knows that. And Thursday, he had his friend over and they snuck into his room, brought the iPad in, and they were on it for like 15, 20 minutes until I caught them. And I felt it was so sneaky and I was so upset and I flipped out. And I said, what if you didn't flip out? What if you were just like, oh, that's such a bummer you did that 15 or 20 minutes. You must have felt so guilty while you were doing that. That's a bummer because on Saturday, you're going to get 15 to 20 minutes taken off of your time. And that's a natural consequence. And you always want to figure out, is this an event or is this a pattern? If it's a pattern of behavior, then it's okay to tighten the reins a little bit and keep a little closer eye. Like if Maggie's going off into areas of the dog park that she shouldn't, then I can keep her a closer eye on her or stay closer to her. It's like spotting our kids when they're riding their bike and they're learning for the first time. First, they're on the little three-wheeler. Then they're on the training wheels. Then you take the training wheels off and you're spotting them. Then you're running next to them while they're riding their bike. And you see how that level of support kind of gets less and less. And they're still riding their bike and Grady still falls off his bike. Your kids will still fall off their bike. Whether they're six or 16, they're still going to fall off their bike. I'm 45 and I still fall off my bike. I make bad choices sometimes. More than I want to. Sometimes I'll catch myself before I make that choice. Like when I think about lying to Lily about the run. And just last week, I was caught in a lie by Lily. And I had to fall on the sword. She was having an issue with one of her teachers. And I said, I can email your teacher and figure this out. This is not okay. And she says, oh, no, no, no. That will just make it worse. Please, 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 please don't. Please don't email. Please don't. And I said, well, I'm going to set up a conference. And the conference, we set up a conference. And it was in a couple weeks away. And so before the conference, I wanted to give the teacher a heads up of what's going on. And I told Lily I wasn't going to email the teacher, and I did. And then she saw the email in my inbox. She's like, wait a minute. Did you email my teacher? You said you weren't going to. And I was like, uh, what? Um, okay. So whenever there is a lie or there's a betrayal of trust, we have a marble jar that Brene Brown talks about. And the trust jar is a make-believe marble jar that you have in your brain when you're working with your friends and your family, and you have a lot of marbles that you add into the jars of trust. This is from Brene Brown, into the jar of trust. And so when you're working, when you're, when you have a friend or you have a family member, you build up trust over time and there's lots of marbles in the jar. So when a marble or a couple marbles or a lot of marbles are taken out of the jar, you have to do the four steps of repairing through an apology. And there's four R's of an apology. First, you repair it. You show remorse, take responsibility, and promise there's not going to be a repeat. 
This is if you yell at your child or if you lie to your child or you get caught in a white lie. You do the four R's so they know that they can put the marbles back in their jar and it's not going to be repeated. You've taken responsibility, you've shown remorse, and you've repaired it. And the repair can be up to the other person of how it needs to be repaired. And I was teaching first grade, I had students that would be caught in altercation, let's say on the playground, and someone would come in and say, well, this person hit me and this person hit me. And I would always say, and I would ask the child, did you hit the person? Did you say these words? Did you? And they say, no, no, no. And their eyes were like bugging out of their heads. And sometimes you can read it on their face, but you can't accuse them of lying. So sometimes I would say, did you do it by accident? And nine out of 10 times they would fess up. So give your kids some grace. Don't freak out. Don't be overly strict. Don't be yelling and screaming. Because when you create an environment with yelling and screaming and a lot of tense energy, they are like, I don't want anything to do with that. It creates a sneakier environment. And I don't know about you, but I don't want sneaky kids. I want kids that can trust me and trust themselves and build that inner compass within themselves and tell the truth and make the good choices because it feels good for them, not because they don't want mom and dad to find out or I don't want to get caught or put on a face. And then when mom and dad turn their back, they act a different way. You want that consistency whether they're with you or they're without you, whether it comes to lying or feeling proud of themselves, their work ethic, that is all absorbed from us and it's all their inner dialogue. And we can strengthen that by the way that we talk to them and then the the way that we treat them because the more that we trust them and we show them over and over and over and then when they do mess up, when they do slip up, when they do lie, then the consequence is always in relation to the quote unquote crime. Like the child who snuck the 15 to 20 minutes, then they lose it on Saturday, those 15 or 20 minutes, or all together. And then they practice doing the four R's. Okay, how are you going to repair this? How are you taking responsibility? How are you promising me that there's not going to be a repeat? And how are you showing remorse? Kids want to do well. And kids do well when they can. But we need to equip them with the skills first. We can't just expect them to come out of the womb and know all the things about all the things. And so when they don't know all the things, we can connect over that and say, you know what? I felt like that when I was your age or I'm 45 and I still feel like that sometimes. That's the journey of life. And we're all in earth school together. And then they'll see you as an ally instead of you against them. I hope this helped. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was. What was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening? I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.